Did you get it? Did you get it? Yeah. Yeah. Alright, perfect. It was quite loud and clear. <laughs> it's a good change. Yeah, I, I like how first I heard on your end, and then like came through on mine, like, what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I always have a problem with, like, uh, figuring out whether there's, like, a delay that I have to, uh, like, take into account once I'm editing. Oh, I didn't think about that. Uh, wait, does that happen, or? I don't, it's hard to tell. Like, I mean, me and you are having a conversation right now, right? And we don't yeah. notice a delay. So, like, technically, you could edit in the same way, too. Right, okay. Oh, wait, which up? This is episode five. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, yeah. Hey, guys, welcome to episode five of Unfocus. How are you doing, Zabir? I'm doing well. How about you? Pretty good, sort of. <laughs> sort how, are of? You, how are you actually doing? What's the, what's the sort of... Uh... Actually, no, I guess I should say that I'm doing well-ish, but no, honestly, like, now that uh, Ramadan ended and, like, we had Eid, like, two days, one or two days ago and stuff, I'm having that post-Ramadan uh, post slump. Do you know what I'm talking about? Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm it's experiencing like, it right now. It's like, while you're fasting, you can use fasting sort of as an excuse, and, like, you know, you can make an excuse for staying up late at night and all that kind of thing. But then, once it's all done, it's like, you kind of have to return to normal. Otherwise, you're being a bum. And <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of in that intermediate phase right now. I, I feel like, I think, uh, so last weekend, or the night before Eid, I actually went to sleep at a fairly reasonable time. Nowhere near, like, objectively reasonable compared to Ramadan. Yeah, like, I fell asleep at 12. Uh, and I woke up pretty early too. I woke up, like, eight relatively early um but then like the days after eight it's just been whack like i've been going to sleep at 2 a.m 2 30 3 a.m been waking up at like 10 p 10 a.m 11 30 yeah, yeah it's for, completely out of whack right now for me i think wait, what happened uh today is monday yesterday was sunday the day before, before saturday okay i think saturday i woke up 11 something and then Sunday, which was yesterday, I woke up, no, wait, I think Saturday, I woke up 10 something, and then Sunday, I woke up 9 something, or maybe just, whatever, okay, the point is, I woke up earlier on Sunday than I did on Saturday, and then mm. today, I just, like, went back to waking up, I woke up, like, after 11, like, I woke up late, again, in my terms, like, I just, <laughs> I made a bit of progress, and I just went back to square Oh, zero. yeah, today, today, actually, I woke up, like, at around 10 something, but then, like, I really got out of bed and everything. I think it was close to 12. Ah, so okay. I already burned through, like, <laughs> a good number of hours of the day. Yeah. And for me, even after I wake up these days, it's like, I'm being completely honest, the first few hours go by doing really nothing at all, mm -hmm. like, just on my phone and stuff. <laughs> what's your uh, What's your current, like, situation in terms of so, like, stuff you have to do or whatever? So now it's, we're sort of getting back into, like, the breakfast life, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> so we actually have breakfast and it's it's kind of weird now cuz we had a month of no breakfast. Um yeah, I, I think like the first the first hour is probably like the the usual morning routine kind of stuff. Like, you know, shower, breakfast, this that. Um today particularly I yeah, I did the same thing as you. <laughs> I basically just started watching a bunch of YouTube videos. 
but then uh, later I kind of snapped out of it, and then I went for a run slash jog. Ah, oh, that's good. You saw the photos. Yeah. And dandelions on the soccer field. That's pretty yep. neat. After that, I've basically done nothing, like, uh, nothing valuable. Yeah, for me, like, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, I think it's weird, because on the one hand, obviously, I like having food again. But at the same time, it's like, it's kind of a hassle. You know, it's like, oh, I actually have to go downstairs <laughs> sometimes. I can't just lays around in my room for yeah hours i noticed my appetites like <laughs> decreased a lot i don't yeah, feel like I, eating anymore i actually lost quite a bit of weight during Ramadan too Same. i don't know what i don't know what kind of weight that was that i lost it's like fat or water weight or whatever i have no idea but i just lost a bunch and now i need to regain it but like i'm i feel like i'm too lazy somehow mm. in fact one of the before ramadan started like one of the whole things i realized was that uh like a good sleep schedule is probably very important for like uh um like kind of weight control and things like that like maybe it goes both ways but at least from my point of view like in terms of gaining weight and stuff and like you know getting out to eat for that i think like it's really important to have a good sleep schedule which is preferably a bit earlier because i noticed like beyond a certain point in the night i don't feel like eating or, like, even if I'm hungry, I don't want to go downstairs at, like, 3 a.m. and, like, eat something. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, like, that's probably one of the first steps to fixing, like, health. Like, just having a good sleep schedule and all that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, your sleep's very... Obviously, it's important. And even, like, from a weight standpoint, whether it's, like, weight gaining or weight loss, like, you got a lot of hormones that are dependent on what's called the circadian cycle. So, right. you got to make sure those are, like kept in check and basically are are working accurately otherwise your body just goes uh into like this weird cycle yeah and for me i yeah okay like one thing i realized was uh it's i probably have to control my wake-up time to fix my sleep time properly because these days it's like i'll still like i'll lie down and like the first hour will go by i won't fall asleep and stuff and then even if I try to stop thinking, like, thoughts will just pop up in my head and stuff. But then in the mornings, the reason I don't force myself to get up early is mostly because I say, uh, yeah, I'm going to be tired. What do I even have to do right now and stuff? That's one thing I, re- I realized. Well, I mean, I'm sure we've spoken about sleep before, but we haven't spoken about that specifically. But, like, when you don't have anything specific to wake up for, it's very easy to just let yourself wake up whenever. And so you need to maybe like put something there that you'll do at a certain time that you plan on doing at a certain time mm-hmm. that like you'll wake up for, you know, like having something to wake up for. It's very weird. Usually. But... Yeah. Usually that, that time is like covered by work under normal circumstances. Yeah. So people already have either it's school or work. So the moment you wake up, you already know what's on the table, but yeah, now like now that everybody's home, we have to f- find something to uh, schedule into that time. And at the same time, I've realized that, like, uh, sometimes if I tell myself, yes, ideally I'm going to do this thing in the morning, like from 9 to 10 or 9 to 11 or whatever, and then, like, if I'm waking up at 11, for example, then I'll just say, oh, looks my, looks like my time for that passed, so I'm not going to do it or something, <laughs> but that's not the the way to be doing things, obviously. Like, Oh, that reminds me, there's uh, this email I've been putting off for a while that i want to send and it's uh it's just, it's work related and the thing is the place i'm emailing it to their active hours are like from 8 a.m to 4 p.m right mm-hmm. 
and every day I'm like, okay, I'm gonna email. But then once it gets close to four, right? I'm yeah. Like, ah, oh, they're not gonna see it. Why don't I just like email email them the next day, uh, earlier? But then what happens is I don't even like email them earlier the next day, so it just keeps on going. And then the weekend comes, and I'm like, ah, uh, it's Friday, <laughs> you know they're not gonna see it they're just gonna like brush it aside and like uh wait until monday so why don't i just email them monday yeah i've been in that kind of situation yeah. before. it's like every day you can just tell yourself like right now is not the ideal time to send it i'll send it a bit later but it's all just an excuse at the end of the day it's like you, you're just a bit nervous about sending it or something like that you know like at the end of the day like there have been times when i've sent things like at 2 or 3 a.m because i'm just like like i'd be awake then hesitating about sending something and like you know i'd be like spending an hour wording an email properly and then i'd be like you know rather than say oh i'll do tomorrow just like do it now like sometimes my dad says things like no don't send it late at night otherwise it looks bad on you like oh why are you staying up late and stuff but honestly i feel like there are times when it's best to just finish something and just like Mm. like just push it out of the way and then feel like have that feeling of like i did it there's no going back like kind of I mean, for that kind of thing, you can just, like, schedule, send your email. You can just schedule it for, like, 8 a.m. And then that way, you don't come across as, like, some night owl. You you come across as, as some, like, some reasonably competent human being. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Honestly, I don't care too much about that kind of thing. Like, if someone someone has a negative impression about me because I was up late one night, like, I don't think I'd want to have a working relationship with that person anyways that's <laughs> like, true. Oh, well, what does it matter to them of what time i'm sleeping and stuff but for, for me it's more just a matter of like the actual like you know like i know that if i put it off for the next morning then when next morning comes for the first few hours i just won't do it and then like it'll be the whole same kind of situation as with you you know mm. shall we talk a bit more about our personal lives and stuff until we hit <laughs> off on something <laughs> It's always uh, it's always hard to like jump into uh, a a uh, a defined topic. Yeah. Like I, I like the past few episodes we never really had a topic topic, right? Like we just kind of I think a topic just like emerged throughout the conversation. Yeah. Well, like we we each had something sort of in mind and then we just eventually like kind of veered the conversation towards that. This but one's completely like, like we're winging it. If we called last one winging, this one is really winging it. I think even yeah. more so than last time. Last time I sort of had an idea, and, but it, it's fine. I don't mind. Like honestly, like the the way I see it, um, I don't consider this wasting time. Obviously, because even if I didn't do it for the podcast, I'd probably just talk to you anyways, like in one of our regular conversations, right? Yeah. So by recording it and putting it up, it's not like we have to pay anything for it either. Like there's really nothing to lose. Yeah, I mean, anchors come in clutch. Remember when yeah. we were trying to like. Uh figure out a website and like host everything you know just it was such a mess oh yeah yeah that was but then we just figured out anchor anchor just came to the rescue yeah anchor just anchor just figured out everything for us we don't have to worry about finding a website domain or like finding somewhere to host our recordings it's all like streamlined i wonder why they do that to be honest like did they don't even put ads and stuff it's so like altruistic or philanthropic or, or do they have some kind of paid memberships after or they don't have a paid membership as far as i know i think uh what you can do is you can introduce sponsorships into your podcasts and maybe the way they kind of make money is that they take a share of uh the profit kind of okay. like what youtube does 
Right. So if someone's trying to make money off their podcast, then they'll take some of that money. Yeah. But if you're if you're just doing it for free, then they're like, yeah, go ahead. We'll we'll store it for you. Yeah, it's pretty neat. I I looked at it and like if you if you monetize your podcast, you can basically you can find a repertoire a repertoire of like sponsors and they provide you with like a list of sponsors who might be interested in in it and like in in uh, sponsoring your your episodes and then you can just like check off which one you like or which one you don't so it's very much like uh in your power oh, whereas with neat. like whereas with youtube well youtube has sponsorships aren't really a part of youtube they're just like the sponsor contacts the youtuber and then they right. they settle an agreement but youtube primarily it's ads right and like as far as a uh, as far as a YouTuber is concerned, they're not in control of what ads you see. Right. Whereas here, it's like you, you, you're in control. But that means like, is it the kind of thing where like within the episode, you say like, oh, shout out to whatever Basically. this company. Okay. Actually, yeah. Now, now, now that I think about it, it's just a, it's a sponsorship. Yeah. But it runs through Anchor. Right. Okay. Speaking of the sponsorships, I think, oh yeah, before I, <laughs> before we actually started the episode, I want to get like an anti-sponsorship, not oh, towards what? a specific company. But like no, I was gonna like bash something, which is like certain kinds of light bulbs, because uh, you know the CFL light bulbs, like the spiral ones. No. Uh, compact fluorescent. Oh yeah, fluorescent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The like the spirally ones. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like, yeah, the fluorescent light bulbs. Yeah, exactly. I have a problem with those because like in our house for some reason they always turn like brownish yellow at the base, like whenever we put them in lamps, like after oh, what? a few weeks or months or something and then eventually i think they just stop working or like they start smelling weird and kind of burnt out and stuff so like they're supposed to live long too but like i don't know they just just die out after a while so ours uh the one uh the light bulbs in our staircase they've been flickering a lot recently ah yeah okay and they're also they're also fluorescent yeah literally yesterday i think like my fluorescent one which is plugged into my lamp is it started flickering and i got scared so i just turned it off unplug like unscrewed it and then i put another one in right but then the other one i put in was incandescent i think or i'm guessing because after like two minutes or something the lampshade which is metal it's not really a lampshade i guess but like whatever the case did it, it get started, hot like, it got like very hot like yeah burning. yeah <laughs> and now i finally put in an led one which is like the master race of light leds it's are like a game changer i'll tell you extremely efficient and they don't heat up at all and just they don't die and just everything they're just perfect yeah like my lamp uh, on the side is also an led one well it has like one two three four five six seven eight nine ten it has ten like tiny led uh bulbs yeah i've seen those kinds of things like they just have a bunch of them clustered in yeah it's pretty cool huh? it's, it's like one like macro light bulb made, made of a bunch of mini like micro bulbs yeah and this this one it's been running for a while like sometimes i even keep it on uh during the night Ah, okay. and so like the running time it's almost like always on and it's such a beast like it keeps up with everything that's like what i do to my laptop and stuff i just keep it on most of the time i uh, shut it down if i need like an update but yeah that's yeah i do it. that too speaking i feel of like we're bulbs, i feel like we're past the time where you'd have to like turn off the laptop for like fearing that it would heat up or like just shut down randomly yeah yeah i don't think that kind of thing happens much anymore uh yeah I, I just i just don't do it unless i need to update because other than that it's working or unless it like crashes which happens every now and then like, i'll get a blue screen up to <laughs> or something but yeah that's about it uh 
Speaking of light bulbs, I was just trying to make come up with some kind of inspirational thing about light bulbs, but uh, <laughs> I, I find it interesting how, uh, like, you know, we started with the incandescent ones, and then everyone started promoting the CFL ones because mm. they're more efficient and stuff. But then that turns out to not be that great either, and it has its own problems, like, you know, mercury and all that kind of thing. And now we're going towards LEDs. So it seems like, like there is sometimes the first solution to a problem is not the best solution, but it's just like having that change is good. And then like the momentum carries on to like a new thing, you know? Right. Yeah. And it's there, more probably... of a, it's like a stepping stone to better solutions. Yeah, exactly. And there's probably like lots of kind of scenarios where this happened. Uh, the, the other thing that comes to mind right now is like with the, with other kinds of like renewable energy and stuff. So moving away from like light bulbs themselves to like the energy production side of things. Like, you know, we went from fossil fuels to renewables. And then the next step, at least I hope, I don't know if this is too political, but mm. I endorse like nuclear and stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, first when people talk about things like renewables or like, uh, you know, like non-polluting things, they go to like, what is it? Solar. Right. Uh, wind, things like that, right? Because they're... Well, first of all, they are properly renewable, like they'll last forever, basically. And uh, they clearly have less carbon emissions than something like coal. And then nuclear, which at first doesn't seem like, uh, well, it's not technically renewable. And it produces nuclear waste. That's true. Right. But then it's like, if you look at the carbon footprint, it's extremely small. It's super, super energy efficient. It's just, it's also very safe. It may be even safer than some of the other ones. It's just there's a few high-profile incidents. It is, yeah. I mean, it's safe, but the the potential consequences could be very uh, tragic. So it's kind of like but... it's like a fine line. You have to be really... It's a really sensitive thing, right? Like nuclear energy, you're working on the scale of atoms and subatomic particles. So if one thing goes bad, you get a leak somewhere. I mean, think of... Uh, where was the Chernobyl? Oh, <laughs> Chernobyl was there's Chernobyl, then there's one uh, somewhere in Japan. Fukushima. Yeah, yeah, Fukushima. But then it wasn't actually that bad, from what I remember. Like it was bad, yeah, but like it wasn't that bad. Not that many. I don't. I'm not gonna look up the numbers now because I don't want to get too technical. Yeah. With this kind of podcast, it's not like that. But honestly, like this is my opinion, at least. Like you know, I've seen. I don't know, like YouTube videos or whatever to back up my opinions. It's not like out of the blue, but like people are more scared by things that are like high profile incident kind of things. Uh, even though overall the number of those incidents might be very small, mm-hmm. you know, or like think of planes, for example, and people are, some people don't want to fly, fly planes because like, oh, they're scared it's going to crash or something. And yeah, when it does crash, it makes the news because right. like, you can have hundreds of people just dead, just like that. It's obviously very scary, but it happens super rarely, like way more people die from... But it's always like a high-profile incident. Yeah. And like, no one's going to hear about, like, car crashes in the news because they happen every day, a bunch of them, a bunch of people die, and it's like, it just it just happens, you know? Which almost makes me think that people need to be more scared of some things in daily life. This might be helpful for a virus containment, too, to be what honest. What was it? I was... I'm pretty sure, like, the... Uh, what's his face? The probability of like getting into a devastating car accident is like higher than than uh, getting into like a plane crash or something. 
Oh, it's definitely way higher. Like, plane crashes, I feel like it's literally like a one in a hundred thousand or one in a million kind of thing. Yeah, well, well, for one, if you're talking about like an individual, how frequently do they fly, right? There's obviously a limiting problem. There's a limiting factor of the frequency, right? And then you got so much like, that's the one limiting factor. And then you got limiting factors, which are like, you know, the quality control that happens with planes, right? Like the triple checking. There's, there's a lot of, I don't know the details obviously, but right. there's a lot of uh, quality assurance and like control that that's done by multiple people that, that goes into planes. So yeah, I, I feel like, hmm, I think it comes down to like, a lot of it might come down to like people's sense of control. Yeah. I like I think, yeah, yeah. Like I think, People kind of brush off the uh, car accident statistic because they know that they're the ones driving, right? Right. So there's there there's this inherent bias that oh I'm not gonna get into it because I know how to react to uh, some kind of uh, risk down the road. Yeah. But then if you're a passenger on a plane, well you're <laughs> down to the mercy of the pilot and the co-pilot. The- and I guess same thing with like nuclear uh, power. I mean you're not the one controlling nuclear power. But okay, that's a bit of a different example because then you got scientists and other people who work there. Well, with nuclear, well, I'm okay with either of those things. It's like I'd say like there's a very general point that when people are in control of something, they're mm-hmm. much more confident or like you know willing to take the risks or whatever than when they're not in control. Even if even if the person who's controlling the thing when they're not in control, like you know the the pilot of a plane or like the people working at a nuclear power plant or whatever it is even if they're very competent and highly trained and stuff, much more than, you know, the us, ourselves and stuff, like the pilot might have way more training for their pilot license, does have way more training than like a yeah. than like a driver has for like a car license, right? Thousands of like flight hours and such. Yeah, and there's like so many like, you know, backup systems, fuel systems, this and that, all that. And yet, somehow we trust ourselves more mm-hmm. than we trust those people. It's it, it, it's it's like you said. There's I think there's this real illusion of control where it's like you don't actually have as much control as you think. Like you have control of the thing that you're holding. Yeah, that's true. Just like put a steering wheel in front of someone's hand, and like they'll think, ah, oh, yes, I I can control everything. Now I'm thinking whether should, whether there should be like some control experiment where you got passengers, or or something like where they just like hold the steering wheel that that serves no value but just gives them like the gives them the kind of false assurance that they're in control i'm i i suppose i suspect that you could like set up experiments where like you trick someone into thinking that they're that they have more control over something than they do you know yeah like, yeah that makes more sense and like when things don't go exactly the way they think they, uh, oh, okay i don't know like the wind pushed the car a bit or you know this or that or you know something mm. that that's fine i can still like control things, maybe if you though, had like a vr experiment yeah, I'm sort. thinking something like that that'd be very interesting. But yeah, if you think of like driving, like like you're in control of the car that you're driving, but then there's a bunch of other cars on the road for one thing, and there's uh yeah, just that alone is like you know there's tons. Of, do you trust all those other people that much? I mean, I, like they're licensed, yeah, but like every now and then there's gonna be like a drunk driver or something on the road, and then things are gonna. It it, it it's so weird how like statistics just don't matter until you experience them yourself. Mm-hmm. you know like uh you can hear that uh, tons of people die in car crashes but you're, you're always thinking you know that's because uh you know they did something dumb or uh they're just very unlucky or something right you always feel like some external uh person to all forms of statistics until you're until you've experienced the uh, set circumstances 
exactly like as if we're protected by some kind of magic bubble of normality or something like until something happens to us it seems very improbable i sort of want to steer this in the in the direction of the virus too because i feel like it's very relevant to something like the virus like uh, i i don't want to say how so uh i won't say that people aren't taking it seriously but at the same time it seems like the kind of thing which like it could like, okay, you know, people are reopening things right now. So, like, okay, you can go to stores, things like that. It just seems so easy to catch. And yet, at the same time, it's like, we're all convinced that we're not going to catch it. Or that will be the us. odd one out, right? Yeah. But yeah. now I'm genuinely kind of worried because it's the kind of thing where, like, you don't you don't see it. You don't have this uh, clear... Like, with a plane crash, you like, it, it's very visible. You see, like, you know, you see the pictures after the crash. And it's like, the whole thing is devastated. But, like, with a virus... Like I, I saw some good YouTube videos about this too. Like uh, where they did simulations, or like they, like rubbed some kind of thing on people's hands, which like glows in UV light, and then like mm-hmm. you know they'd like after an hour they'd like point like a camera or like point a UV light at their face, and then like show pictures of like a bunch of smudges on their face, showing like ah oh, they touched their face a bunch of times, or like you know they shook hands with people and then got onto other right. people or onto objects or things like that, right? Like if we could see it, then we'd. Uh, yeah, even even like in the the virus or like the illness world. I mean, you can kind of uh, as as a uh, as somebody in, in the public, you can figure out if somebody's sick, right? Cuz they'll show symptoms. But with this virus, it's you can have asymptomatic carriers, right? Yeah. So, you really have no clue <laughs> where the enemy is. Yeah, and it's like it's it's like although they say things like you know treat everyone else as if they have the virus or this or that or whatever or like oh you're sneezing then don't go out or you know things like that, everyone's mm-hmm. just gonna tell themselves that ah no, that person looks perfectly healthy or I'm fine I sneezed once I'm still fine or and like how how often do people stay the exact six feet apart and like even if you're just passing someone by for a brief moment you're like a close distance to them. Maybe they just exhale once and then somehow the virus gets <laughs> right, to Right, then it's game over. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes me think that maybe for some of those things, they need to, like, I think technology could help. Or, like, I know there's, like, those contact tracing apps and stuff. But wouldn't it be cool yeah. if there's, like, apps which are, like, as soon as you get within a certain distance of someone else, like, your phone beeps or something? Oh, <laughs> be kind of some scary. kind of, like, universal <laughs> app that's administered yeah. across every phone? Oh, that'd be kind of... That'd be neat, actually. It'd be kind of yeah, scary we, at first. Kinda, like, oh my god! You know, we like, kind of need that. <laughs> but it'd be kind of cool too. I feel like, yeah, just like making some of these risks more visual somehow could really help. Right. I don't know. I find that even wearing masks, uh, help a lot in that sense. Well, for one, there's there's the idea like I think th- there's a difference between uh which culture or which society you're looking at, but. If you're in a Western society, usually masks are associated with that person uh, being sick, right? Right. Even though that's kind of like a bad way of thinking about it, you could like kind of leverage that uh, that uh, bias, right? And like right. just ask if everybody wore masks, everybody would assume would assume everybody else is sick, and then that way people would like be more uh, lenient or not more lenient, but more like uh, prone to social distancing. Are you saying any any time anyone is sick from now on they should do that or everyone should do it from now on or like maybe everyone should <laughs> at the same time like okay I know there are some places where everyone does it and yeah so I mean the pro of that is obviously like okay if, at least from the videos I've seen like the main benefit of wearing masks is that it it's it's like if you're sick then when you sneeze like you're 
like the I don't know, like the cough particles or whatever, they won't go as far. They won't travel as far, yeah. so you're less likely to infect someone. It doesn't prevent you from getting sick, really, unless you're like wearing an N95 or something. But yeah, exactly. Uh, but in any case, if everyone wears it, then I'm mean, you know it re- reduces the risk of transmission. That's for sure. But at the same time, uh, in terms of as far as like signaling that someone is sick. If everyone wears it, then it becomes kind of normalized, and you know for a fact that people who are not sick are wearing. So yeah, that's true. That's true. Like I, I guess. Well, I guess you know in the COVID kind of scenario. Since, uh, since you know they say everyone should act as if they're sick. Maybe there's an argument in favor of everyone wearing them. But uh, let's think pre-COVID times for a second, and like let's because COVID has kind of hijacked the whole like you know sickness scene and like everything about that but like there, there were flus before and stuff and there will be flus after and even if covid magically disappears flus will still exist like how do what would be the proper way to deal with that if we haven't already been like i know in some places like everyone wears masks like in some east asian places is that the way or right yeah now that i think about it like you said by everyone wearing a mask it kind of removes the whole significance yeah. Of wearing a mask because uh, it's a new normal, right? So there's right. like a new baseline. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you could introduce an app that <laughs> alarms everybody or that alarms you if you're close to them, like you said. Honestly, uh, when it comes to masks, I think the main argument I have against everyone wearing them, even more than like anything I said about, you know, like the whole... Uh, oh, it normalizes them to the point of, like, you see someone wearing a mask and you think, yeah, they're probably just healthy and stuff. Like, yeah, there's that, but then that could be countered by saying, okay, maybe it starts some kind of health culture or, like, anti-sickness culture or whatever. But, like, the main thing I have against everyone wearing it is that it feels like you're sacrificing something somehow. Like, you're sacrificing a little bit of humanity in a way. Like, if you're if you're someone who mm-hmm. wouldn't normally wear a mask all the time or something like that covering your face, then you just do it be- because you might be sick. Like, is it worth the risk? Right. I don't even know the answer to that question because this might be one thing where we have a misperception of risk. Like, is is my desire to show my shiny, pearly teeth when I laugh or something? Does that override like the uh, the importance? I mean, imagine you're covering <laughs> half of your face, which is like half of your non-verbal uh, interaction with people. Yeah, that, so, that, yeah, that's it my does. Point. It very much diminishes uh, the level of interaction you can have with somebody. I'd say it'd be kind of cool if people. Uh, engineered some kind of transparentish masks. There was, there was. Oh, really? There was uh, actually a student from some university who developed one. I'm not sure how effective they are though, because uh, you can have like you can have like micro pores and stuff. Right. Hmm. But yeah, if 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 something like that is made, that'd be kind of cool. Then I'd I'd honestly consider like wearing <laughs> a mask more often if there are things like that. Like I don't feel like it looks I'm just... so weird though. Like I'm I haven't picturing seen some <laughs> transparent mask. Yeah, that's that's hella weird. Like it feels like, and it'd be harder to recognize people too, right? Like if they only wear masks, just a little bit, maybe not too much harder. But like, yeah, okay, what if you recognize <laughs> someone by their beard or something, you know? And then <laughs> they're wearing a mask. I mean, if you have a very unique beard, sure. Yeah, or like their mustache or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. Um, but like those people in countries where they do wear masks very often, like are there times when they take off masks or things like? Are they always wearing their mask? Like, if they invite a friend over, do they both wear masks at home, or do they take them off then and just like, hmm? Or I, I think it, it's very much a public thing. Right. I think people there wear it in the public, and maybe even just take it off the moment they uh, get into some building. Yeah, presumably. A lot. Some of it. Some of the. So, 
as far as I can recall, there was actually a lot of uh, smog at one point. Oh, okay. So that was one of the reasons why people would wear masks. There was also obviously the overall uh, the overall kind of uh, idea that you should wear it just to protect yourself and everybody else from an illness. Right. But yeah, there's a multitude of factors. Smog, was this like in China, for example? or? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think in Beijing. Hmm. Maybe, yeah, that would obviously apply less here. It might apply to some extent. I don't know how much smog is in there. That's another like invisible risk. Like there's really like a I think Ottawa does a good job of <laughs> reducing smog. I don't think I think so like it, it's not visible. I don't think visible. air pollution is I don't think yeah, it's not visible definitely. But if you go to like somewhere in like obviously New York City is a whole different story. Right. Or even like t- Toronto in some parts, but I feel like Ottawa is a I think like the density is relatively dispersed. Right, yes. Yeah, it's, it's not too dense and stuff. And it's like fairly small city. Uh, one thing, yeah, one thing that's kind of cool about smog is the fact that it is visible at all. I've, I remember this one like uh, striking picture from like one of our science textbooks, like in high school or middle school, that uh-huh. like showed a picture of a city with smog above it. And it actually made the atmosphere kind of like brownish, like a slight hazy brownish or something. So it was like, you can see it. And well, that's um, okay. Maybe you don't see it like in like within 10 centimeters or like a meter in front of you. But like if you just look up into the sky, you can tell when the sky is like once like a bit of a more smoggy day or whatever. And that's mm-hmm. really nice because like it's an indication of uh, like danger and stuff, which is what we were kind of like evolved for, or, like adapted for to in the first place, you know, like. Right. But I feel like at that point, it's uh, I wouldn't say it's too late, but like you've already crossed a certain threshold. If you can see the pollution in the sky, it, right? It you're very much like overdue in taking action. Yeah, I think uh, it'd be very cool if uh, if they made some kind of like paper, some kind of chemical which you can like spray on paper, which reacts to you know the chemicals and smog and other. So imagine you just go outside and you see like on mm-hmm. like on like light posts or whatever, like you see these papers. You know, like those like UV indicator kind of things. Yeah. Except yeah. that's like on your TV, like it shows like a red or a green or whatever, just some some artificially generated color. But like I'm talking about some like physical paper that like changes color like on a smoggy day or something, and then like oh. kind of like a litmus paper, but just yeah, for yeah exactly the atmosphere. Like a, a litmus paper, litmus paper for the atmosphere, something like that. You know, just like make the like make the situation visible and stuff, mm. so that people can take active like. Measures or like you know how like for example they they add a scent to uh, natural gas like they add a uh, what is it rotten egg odor to natural gas so that if there's a leak then you can smell it clearly. Oh, they do that. Yeah, and I, I never there knew. Have been, there have been a few times when I smelled it in my basement and I got really scared because like one it's like you know it's a pungent smell so like it's you can't ignore it and it's obviously like uh, like a dislikable right. or like uh, ugly or I don't even know the word for. It a bad smell a nauseous smell okay so you you know instinctively not even at the rational level of thought but just at the unconscious level you're like Mm -hmm. something is wrong something is disgusting or whatever (laughs) and then also the fact that i knew that because you know they teach you that i got scared i'm like oh i'm actually in danger whereas like imagine if they didn't do that people would be so much more careless about things like uh i don't know like checking up that pipes aren't leaking or they won't even know in a lot of cases, but even if they did, like they won't. I find that yeah, with everything you need some sort of visual representation. Yeah. I mean, you've got imagine if you didn't have uh, measurements like daily measurements of like the UV levels yeah. in the city. P- 
people wouldn't know about it, right? Because you can't really tell whether it's it's uh, higher up or like lower on that given day. But now they actually keep they actually have it alongside uh, the weather report, so people can very much see whether it's like whether they're at risk of anything or not. Maybe maybe they should add to like the metrics for uh, for like daily weather reports. Like they should yeah. add some kind of smog, or maybe they do already. I don't know. Yeah, I haven't been keeping track of that kind of stuff too much, but presumably it's out there somewhere, and whatever they're doing, it's good, and, like, you know, it should just keep being done more and more, and, <laughs> excuse me, they should research this stuff. Uh, I was going to give an example of something. I think I was going to say something about a carbon monoxide detector. Oh, yeah, but... yeah, I was actually going to mention that, too. So, carbon monoxide detectors, I think you have one, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, That that's a very, uh, it's a very important thing to have, because with carbon monoxide, it's it's very much invisible and right. not not only that it has no like odor so you can't smell it either whereas you know with natural gas you'd smell it so it, oh yeah and also the other, the other thing with carbon, carbon monoxide is that it can really it can kind of mimic um, oxygen and carbon dioxide in your blood yeah so it, it's a very like it's very much a poisonous gas and right. up until you have a car- carbon monoxide detector, you can never really know whether you have high levels of car- carbon monoxide in your house. Yeah, I, it must have been crazy when they first like discovered this stuff. You know, like like when chemists discovered, oh, like lurking in people's houses is this chemical which can make them sick and maybe even eventually kill them or like shorten their lifespans and stuff. And they just have no way of knowing because it mimics oxygen, which like we need for life and stuff. So like we, we can't even tell them apart. And then, you know, like, it probably until they made these detectors, like, a bunch of people would, like, get sick or, like, you know, be negatively impacted by this stuff. I'm, I guess with most of these things, it's like that, right? Like, carbon monoxide, asbestos, uh, mercury. Have you heard of, like, the whole... Yeah, I was actually going like, to mention that, too. <laughs> mercury? About how they actually used to, like, uh, work with mercury in their hands and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think like hat makers especially. That's where the whole idea of the Mad Hatter comes from, because it, it can cause insanity or something. Uh, so like, people just work with that stuff and then eventually start getting this, insane. There's or numerous examples. There's even like uh, Mad Cow Disease, right? I feel I think you've heard of Mad Cow Disease, right? Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, well they first discovered it in cows, right? Obviously. Yeah. <clears throat> but before then, like I think the uh, the regulations on uh, farming, like on farm animals, wasn't as uh, as like rigorous as they are now. So a lot of these, a lot of these kind of uh, laws that are now made, they're based on like previous accidents. Right. Like some some accident happens, which sparks like the discussion for exactly like safety measures, and then those are taken to like yeah visualize the safety and stuff. Yeah, I was reading a uh, post. Somebody was mentioning that uh, for a while him and like his family they they all like experienced a lot of uh, dizziness and like brain fog and and all sorts of like symptoms for a right. while in their house and they never knew what it was like they would always go to the doctor they would get tr- they would get like screened for stuff but there would be like no uh, positive result but then at one point i think somebody recommended they introduce a carbon monoxide detector okay. and the moment they did that like they saw that the levels were like through the roof and if oh, if they wow. hadn't like just imagine if if they didn't have the detector like that level could increase and it's very it's like it's a fatal 
it's a fatal thing. Like you can die from carbon monoxide poisoning. Yeah, yeah, well, that's that's pretty crazy. Like it's 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 one of those things. Like a lot, like most of these things that we're mentioning, that humans just haven't adapted to handle. If we could ever adapt to it, or at the very least, like you either adapt to handle something, or you adapt to like know when something is dangerous. You know, like you you smell something rotten, and like you know, and like your brain knows that's bad. Don't go near it. Don't touch it. Don't eat it. Whatever. Right. Like, it's not at the level of rational thought, like I said before, but it's just at that more primitive level of, like, oh, I should avoid that. But then, like, it's not like we've evolved to, like, smell carbon monoxide. That'd be very interesting if you could smell mm. carbon monoxide, imagine. <laughs> but, yeah, we haven't evolved something like that. And whereas in the past, people just, like, die from this stuff. And then maybe in some cases, a few people, like, get some mutation that'll make them lucky and they'd be able to survive and whatever. Uh, but like a lot of people just die from this kind of stuff but these days like we're like actively like like think about it like there's so many diseases out there which would probably have like which potentially could kill us but which we get vaccinated for Mm -hmm. we don't need to wait a few like generations so that a bunch of people die and the ones who are left can like survive or something but no like we're actively like warding it off right now which is pretty impressive but it's also like a difficult task you know like how do you take a species which is not well adapted for a bunch of these things and then like force it to be adapted like right. technology yeah i was gonna mention something oh yeah um yeah like up until now i feel like a lot of a lot of things as i mentioned earlier are legislated because of some prior accident and i'm curious like could there be some kind of development where we don't really have to look at accidents in order to bring in uh regulations but like could somehow look into the future and know uh whether there's like a potential risk of something i think so like i suspect that you know there's a lot of cases where there's like certain materials or chemicals that are used in some kind of industrial processes but they're toxic and then people use them at first because maybe they're really effective at doing what they're supposed to do maybe they have like really good properties like thermal properties or like structural properties or whatever kind of properties it is that people seek so they just use them maybe they're cheap and then decades later they realize oh people who were using this a few decades ago now they're all sick with this kind of disease but then that that again is based on some prior accident it's not like yeah so yeah no i'm saying that's how it's been until now yeah like i'm guessing like there have been like decades or maybe even a century when people were working with mercury and hats until they realized, or they were oh, working we, with we like bisphenol a or bpa right with the yeah or like uh what's the other thing benzene or <laughs> lead pipes and there's so yeah. many examples it's crazy but i i hope that we're finally starting to reach the phase where people thoroughly test things like anytime they're considering using some material which hasn't really been used for a purpose before like really test it out and see like what are the risks and yeah like what are the possible like uh bad effects that it could have on people and like do we not use it at all as a result or do we use it but with some extra caution things like that right right so hopefully hopefully they start doing that from now on i think i i assume they do i just feel like you know like i've i'm pretty sure like uh, until 100 years ago or so like is a wild west in terms of some of these regulations oh yeah <laughs> like, they weren't even regulations <laughs> people just used people stuff just do and, like, what they wanted yeah and like yeah it's kind of nice to live free but not when you're gonna like live 10 years less because of it but there's always gonna be some amount of uh uncertainty like nobody nobody could well at least as far as i know nobody would would have like predicted uh the COVID 19 outbreak right so when it comes to things like that 
so obviously that that's like a whole other kind of genus of problems and stuff like whereas with the examples i was mentioning before it's like humans willfully like getting their hands dirty with some kind of substance it's like something just just in the animal kingdom for a bunch of time which is meant to kill uh living things yeah suddenly just jumps towards humans and starts killing us for things like that i think what's important is having that like good health culture in place before there's this one example i've been filing in my mind for like the past half hour an hour or something i just want to bring it up at some point uh which is uh it's kind of funny but uh I, a few weeks ago i was watching this anime and uh this is like this is during quarantine times too so like you know covid was in the back of my mind and then uh there's this one episode where uh someone was like there's a bunch of people in a room and then one person uh i think like came in and like he starts sneezing or something and someone like dragged him out and so I'm like no get him out i don't want him like infecting any of the players here or whatever like there's some competition going on and then i was like well like i don't want any of my players getting the flu or something like that and uh these weren't like sports players but they were like chess players or something like that anyways it's not i'm not even talking about like oh like you know a soccer player getting a bit sick so they can't physically perform right. i'm just talking about like a regular person just like getting the flu they just don't want that you know like how scared were we of the flu before this i wasn't scared at all i was like yeah flu. you know you get it, it happens whatever. yeah i mean i think i <laughs> you know i can recall like just chilling with people <laughs> who were sick yeah it was no big and deal. I, I saw sickness I saw sickness as like, oh, you know, it's just a part of life that happens. Every few days I'll be sneezing or coughing or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But like there, there's real, and so like obviously, yeah, there's precautions. Like, okay, I sneeze into my elbow there, you know, but like it's not as if, or like, you know, when they say like, oh, you know, like stay home if you're sick, like in school or work or whatever. I'm sure there have been times when I went to school, but I was a bit like sniffly or whatever. I was like, yeah, no big deal, you know. Okay, you, what happens if you get sick? You get a runny nose or something. But then there's people who are like obviously much more vulnerable, and uh, and like if we, even if not for the flu itself, if we just had the measures, if we treated the flu the way we treat COVID now, back before COVID, then when COVID came, maybe we'd be better prepared, right? There's there's obviously a lot of factors that go into it. Like you you can look at uh, countries like South Korea, right? And they they had a they're very effective in like containing the virus up until a point. So they introduced they I don't know actually was uh it's weird because like this is obviously a novel coronavirus and yet countries like South Korea were able to were, were like equipped with not just equipped like they were able to just like cope with it right uh pretty effectively but then you had countries in the West that <laughs> were very uh were very much like dormant about it and like they're very slow to uh, pick up on stuff like South Korea they introduced contact tracing right away. So they knew who could have been sick and where where he was. Yeah. And that way they they could like localize um where the virus could be. And then obviously there was uh what was it patient something I forgot the number but there was one person who was infected and I think went somewhere or did something and then that caused like a little leak in the system and they suddenly weren't able to really like accurately contact trace. Right. But, but then he got I think like societies with societies like that. They're able to, um, they're able to like think, uh, listen to <laughs> listen to authority a little better <laughs> without, without being too questioning about it, and that obviously has its pros and cons. But then you got countries in the West where <laughs> even right now you got the naysayers and people who are, um, not socially distancing. You got people who don't even 
think that uh, the virus exists. You got people who think it's just a flu. So there's like a balance between uh, freedom and like listening to authority there too. Right. And uh, okay, so in the example of South Korea, for example, I saw one video that said uh, they actually had a pandemic recently or like, I don't know if it was like something specific to South Korea or it might have even had something to do with SARS. I don't remember. But like there's some previous mm. like issue they had or some kind of small breakout like much smaller than this but like still a breakout and so as a result of that they like you know they after dealing with that they like had the things in place so that like when something like this came covid came they could react to it like very rapidly like they just knew what to do and they just did it you know and i like how it wasn't even like uh things like oh like you can't you can't leave your house at all or something but just like just having some things in place like contact tracing, having proper distancing, having the masks, having the everything, you know, just everything working together. And people just like, as if like overnight, you can just like, you know, flip a switch. And then like, it's like a fire alarm almost like, you know, you do fire alarm drills. And then like, when you hear the fire alarm, you're like, okay, just get up single file, leave. Yeah. Whatever, you know, it's like, you don't start panicking. Like, Oh, what do we do? <laughs> right. With those countries, they've already experienced it. Right. Yeah. Like with China, there's uh the SARS outbreak. Was that also in China? Or is that in... Yeah, I think SARS started I think it was. in China. I think it was. Yeah, so, like, they, they really have, like, the kind of the experience and they've already imposed the laws after SARS. So they kind of had a jump pad when it came to the, the novel coronavirus. It's very much a game of, like, uh, what is it? The uh, <laughs> Darwinian game. Right. Which is, like, survival of the fittest kind of, but it's, like, more on a national scale. Like, between countries, yeah. <laughs> right. Like, some of them, like adapt and evolve to like handle these things better some don't and then each one needs that kind of like i guess first run in uh with the with something like this to adapt although mm. it, honestly it's better if rather than experiencing that first run in yourself you take notes from other countries when they experience that first run in you know so like it'd be a pity if uh, if there's countries out there right now which are not impacted severely by covid Suppose that's somehow a thing, but let's say, okay, let's say, like, what do they do? Let's say they do, like, you know, travel restrictions or things like that, but they're not paying that much attention, for example, to contact tracing or masks or social distancing or that kind of thing, because they're thinking the virus isn't here, you know, so yeah. they, they don't put things in place like that. But then a few years down the line, when another pandemic like this breaks out over there or, like, reaches there, then for them, it's like COVID for, is for us now, you know, and that'd be unfortunate. Exactly. It'd be better if they just say, oh. Look what happened to that other country. It's not happening to us now, but it might happen to us within a few months or within a few years. Who knows? But the, just like being ready for it. This this circles back to uh, even like the the thing we we're talking about about how people don't really consider something a risk. Yeah. Until they've experienced it, I almost feel like it's a it's like a fundamental <laughs> a fundamental part of being a human. Like until you've actually experienced something, you're not gonna. You're not going to be wary of it too much. That's true. I think that there's also, a, like, when it comes to things like that, like, yeah, yeah, there's, like, basically two strategies. One is the whole visualization thing, which, you know, if they actually make some way for, like, <laughs> what if they just, like, genetically modify people so that, like, when we get sick, we start, like, glowing or something <laughs> like that, and they just, like, you know, like, oh, stay away from them, they're glowing, you know? But, like, like, that's probably not happening at least not anytime soon. But, like, failing that, it's just better education, really, that I think is needed, or, like, better kind of culture and stuff. Like, if you, if, if there's mm -hmm. nothing, like, visibly telling you that, like, oh, stay away from this, like, you have to create those kind of taboos almost in your mind, or, like, make that culture of, like, that's, like, being grossed out by a sneeze or something like that, you know? It's, like, <laughs> if someone sneezes yeah. in your workplace, they're, like, yo, are you okay? If you're sick, 
go home or something it's it's fine you know like having like like you know not having to have people think that ah no it's fine it's not a big issue or i'd rather go to work than stay home because i might lose money if my employer thinks i'm just being lazy or something like that but like having the proper culture in place where we take things as seriously like when it comes to health as they should be taken you know Mm-hmm. And uh, I suspect some countries have been doing that already. Well, at least South Korea had the ability to flip the switch. But I'm not even talking about just flipping the switch, but just all the time, year round, just some things should should like become normalized. You know, like uh, um, like I said, things like if you're sick at work, just not yeah, having to go yeah. to work. It's, it's that simple. And then, like you know, like you can even like look at this on a more uh, personal level. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, well, as we mentioned, until you've actually experienced this, it's kind of, it's kind of an intrinsic part of being human that you're not gonna really take it seriously, right? And I think circling back to, kind of like the more like something you've been talking about a lot more in the previous episodes, mm-hmm. which is failure. <laughs> yeah, you can think about it this way: like you don't have time to wait for you to fail yourself you got to yeah. learn from other people's failures oh yeah I, I i like the way you phrased it because in yeah in previous episodes we were talking more about things where it's okay to fail a little bit yourself because eventually you'll like steer yourself in the right direction and we we're talking about things where it's not life or death or like well life or sickness kind of vision. well i see yeah well i see like that kind of failure as more of a stepping stone yeah i, I think there's two kinds of failures there's there's a failure that like it's still um, valuable in that it gave you some new skill or it gave you like something to learn about, right? Yeah. So if you think about maybe some startup, right? Or somebody who right. created some kind of, who created something. If if their first like startup didn't take off, they still, they're still equipped with the experience of starting up that uh, company. They can take right, it to the yeah. next one. But then you got some kind of failures where like, I don't know, say say you screwed up a whole year of school or something, right? Yeah. Um with those kind of failures, it's it's much more of like staying it's a it's a more of like a staying afloat kind of failure where you have to you really have to be like wary of it and you have to like look at how other people before you have been going about the same situation that you're in. Yeah. And then yeah, learn from it. Yeah, that's the kind of thing where you can't or you really shouldn't risk uh failure and saying like, Yeah, it's okay, I'll I'll it's okay if I fail the first time and then I'll I'll get better later because the repercussions could be serious, you know? And, like, uh, well, in some cases, like, downright deadly. But, like, even if we put those cases aside, like, it could, like in the case you said, like, okay, it, you you could waste your year of your life. Or, like, with sickness, you could just, you know, you get sick and then, like, uh, just you can't work for a while, for example, or whatever, you know, things like that. Where, like, you really don't want to, like, suffer the consequences of it. And it's it's still better in those cases, like at least at the macro level. Yeah, at the macro level, countries will survive and they'll learn their lesson and better luck next time. But honestly, you know, at both levels, individual and macro, it's really better in these kinds of things to learn from other people and countries and things, especially because these are the kinds of things where you can learn from them. You know, mm-hmm. what works in one country will work in another country. Yeah, like, exactly. Humans are humans everywhere. If you stay apart, if you cough into your elbow, if you wash your hands, if you do all that stuff, it's like... It's not as if, like, it'll work only in one country and not another. Uh, like, with a personal experience kind of failures, like, you know, like, oh, you tried to start a business and then you fail. 
That's like everyone's going to try to start a slightly different business. You can't learn everything from someone else's failures. But here it's like it's very uh, learnable, very transferable. Yeah, yeah. And so it, it really should be like, maybe we should run for politics. <laughs> <laughs> we, what would you speak about this, this episode? I mean, we spoke a lot about the virus and I mean, we start, out, we start off with light we bulbs. We start with nuclear. <laughs> yeah, light bulbs, nuclear energy. I, I, honestly, at that part, I thought that it was going to go a bit down the route of... Actually, I wanted to talk more about light bulbs, but then he just completely switched it to like some kind oh. of meta discussion. Oh no, I, I felt like I had to make it a little bit meta at some point so that it could be more generalizable. And you know, so we could like, yeah, something that I have something to talk about. Because I don't know how how long we could talk about light bulbs. Unless you want to reverse to that. I forgot what I was going to say about light bulbs, but yeah, light bulbs are, light bulbs are cool. <laughs> they are. They're quite cool. That, that's all I have to say. <laughs> It's funny, huh? It started with light bulbs. That's how this whole talk started. Wait, somehow we reached the R mark. Yeah, I know. I was going to tell you. It's an hour and oh, two that's, minutes. That's pretty good. That, that felt like the weirdest episode, though, because I'm, I'm not saying we're done. We can keep talking, obviously. But, like, we, <laughs> we had no ideas in mind. <laughs> we started talking about light bulbs, quickly moved to nuclear energy, and then started talking about. Like, and there's a small like transition where we talked about like pandemic, we yeah. briefly spoke about like plane crashes or something you know things right. that, are, that are like risky but like people or like you know when people overestimate or underestimate the risk of certain things and visualizing risk and then yeah COVID was like kind of our flagship example which kept drawing from and uh, yeah it was interesting yeah what was it about plane crashes oh yeah there was a the whole uh, idea of like control right a lot of yes. these things people are less uh cautious because they feel they're, they're more in control maybe maybe there's like a lot of studies done on this too if you like look at some journals of psychology i suspect there could, so there could be some trials and like experiments done it'll be it'll be cool to look at it yeah and also like anything that's like really like you know everyday kind of thing for those things although they might actually be pretty risky it just doesn't feel like that because you feel like oh i Let's say I drive every day, or I go outside and meet people every day. I shake hands with them every day. I don't get sick, or I don't get into a car crash. I, I mean, you know, do so. you remember when uh, we almost went got into a car crash in the winter? Yes. <laughs> it was that I day. I didn't think you'd reveal that. But... I I don't see I I don't find any reason to like hide it. <laughs> the, the it was like the day when a bunch of snow happened. Like there was a bunch of snow. And I think, like, up until then, there was no snowfall at all in the year, right? That was, like, the one day, the one morning that it actually snowed. Yeah. So, we still had, like, our <laughs> all-season tires equipped. And what was it? Like, we were on the we were on the road, and there was a red light. And I, I yeah. like, fastly overestimated the distance between me and the, the car in front of me. <laughs> and then right. only realized later that, oh, shoot, like... I have to slow down. <laughs> Even yeah. while I was slowing down, it's like the brakes were just not working. Like the ti- the tires are all like uh, slipping and stuff. And then right, yeah. I don't even know how we uh, managed to get out of that. I think, what was just, it? Did I steer into the right? I think, yeah, I, we ste- I steered into like in between two lanes. Oh, Man, okay. we, we lucked out there. <laughs> yeah, you know what's, what's interesting though? Like since I wasn't behind the driver's wheel and because like since, uh, you know, I've been with you yeah. in the car several times and so like i saw you as a competent driver and stuff even in that situation i was not as scared as you were because i was thinking yeah yeah it's fine he'll like 
uh, you know, he'll like stop in time or he'll steer or whatever. He'll do what he has to do and it'll just happen. You know, it'll work. Like there's, it's a weird kind of illusion of control. Mm-hmm. Where it's, it's not me in control, but it's someone else who I believe to be confident. Somebody has like the ethos to, yeah. uh, for you to feel like, you know, you're in a reasonable sense of control. Yeah. And at the same time, it's like, it's one of those cases where, like we said, um, like I should learn from your, it wasn't a failure, but like near failure or something and think, oh, okay, I should be cautious in that situation. But then that didn't quite happen because since I was thinking that you were in control, it's like, there's a sense that, oh, if anything did end up happening, how do I say this? No, nothing ended up happening. And because nothing happened, and because I wasn't the one who was experiencing, you know, just how, like, uh, right. close of the situation was, <laughs> yeah. I told myself, oh, everything was fine from the beginning. You, you just panicked a bit or something like that. I saw you, like, you didn't even uh, react at all. You're just, like, right, I was <laughs> you're just, just like, happy days there. You're just sitting there. I'm like, dude, we almost got into a car crash. I know, I was like, exactly, because I was like, oh, the, the, this is, like, driving, right? This is, this is what happens, you know? Like, <laughs> this is driving. <laughs> you come close, and then and then it works out and stuff. But then if I was mm. in that situation then obviously I'd like my heart would start racing and stuff. Right. So like, that's the thing. It's so easy to not learn from other people's failures or near failures and think, yeah. ah, they're in control the whole time. Or if they did fail you say, ah, they did something wrong or whatever, you know, it's always, <laughs> and there's, there's never the sense of, Oh, they did something wrong, which I could also do something wrong, which I could also possibly do, which I should be cautious of. Mm-hmm. So like, you have to make the conscious effort, you know? Do you remember, uh, you've heard of the story of uh, our friend <laughs> who hit a deer? I think or so. No. Maybe. Maybe not, actually. No? I'm not sure. Uh, we'll, we'll discuss this after. <laughs> yeah, but... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, go ahead. Yeah. Th- that's, a, that's a funny story. Like, the whole school at the time <laughs> turned it into a meme. Because <laughs> we're oh, still I in think... high school at that time. I think I heard of this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you told me it looks like once or twice. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, we'll talk about car accidents some of the time. Yeah. No, also, honestly, something like that, that's probably the kind of thing that people shouldn't be too wary of because that's the kind of thing that's kind of out of your control. Like, okay, deer just jumps into the road and then, like, you try your best to react, but then just it just jumped into yeah, the it's more like the it's more like the deer hit you <laughs> rather than you hitting it. Yeah, so those are things where it's not reasonable to be, like, afraid at night thinking, like, oh, I'm going to hit a deer. I better be super cautious not to hit a deer or something. The things that it is worth being cautious about are the ones where you have some control in your hands to prevent it and mm-hmm. uh like like the like the car sliding on the ice and stuff you know like oh if you braked a bit earlier or like you know if you were being defensive then 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 we'd have a even lower chance of like you know getting into an accident i think a lot of the time people like with some of these things they say oh either we're not gonna fail or if we're if we're gonna fail it's because we we're meant to fail and they, they adopt like a very cavalier attitude towards some things when in reality, no, like failure is always like, you know, some part your fault, some part external circumstances, mm-hmm. but it's, it's really important to have an accurate sense of just how much control you have. If you have literally nothing, no control over it, like if an asteroid is going to hit the earth, there's no point worrying, you know? Okay. It's just like live it up until, until that happens, you know? But like when it comes to things where like you have a lot of control, don't just shunt that control off and say, nah, I, I don't I don't actually have that much control. If something happens, right. uh, it's meant to happen. It goes both ways. Like, exactly. Like, you, sh- you shouldn't be too worried about, uh, if there's something completely out of your control, it, there's no point in, like, in grieving over it or, like, being anxious, anxious about it. Yeah. Um, and then on the other hand, 
if you've got something reasonably in your control, you should be able, you should like convince yourself to take a step forward and yeah. minimize any risks that could that could happen. And this actually, this is what there's like one topic I want to talk about. We'll probably leave it for another day. Sure. But it's about like the concept of learned help helplessness. Ah, okay. I've heard about this from from psychology. Yeah. 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 It's it's a very interesting topic because it's like it's something that's been observed across many different animals too not just humans right yeah they have they've done experiments on like on mice and yeah I've even I think chimpanzees monkeys yeah some kind of yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll do a bit of research and then maybe some other episode will talk about it more sure yeah i, f- I figured it's very that... nice it's very applicable too yeah too since yeah. since you've actually done like psych courses and i haven't done courses but you know i've seen a few videos here and there and that's that's where all my expertise on most of these things comes from like youtube right. but uh it, it's it's like a rich uh field for like drawing from for like the kind of stuff we talk about so i yeah it's it's kind of like it's at the bridge between like scholarly technical work and like work that you can translate into your own life right yeah exactly with something like chemistry well (laughs) there's not much to translate into your personal life but like something like psychology or even sociology there's a lot that you can like learn from it and like immediately apply right and like even this episode, although the stuff we we're talking about was a bit more, it was a bit different in the sense that the things we we're talking about were a bit more macro level and they're a bit more like specific in terms of like, okay, like coronavirus or nuclear power, things like that. But even then there's that, like that social element or like, okay, you know, how do we perceive risk? How should we perceive risk? Things like that. Yeah. That we, uh, you know, that we were able to talk about. So yeah, I, I like, uh, like, the, like I said, psychology is like a rich field for like drawing on things like this. It's not that we have to like hit up the psychology books every time or something, but just, we can draw a lot of like kind of inspiration or like kind of a jumping point. Yeah, I'll do some research next time on learned helplessness because I'm actually interested in the in the topic too. Yeah, and it's it's definitely something that's very relevant for everyone. You know, it's like when you read these things in the textbook at first, you're like, oh, it's just like a cool case study. Like, but no, it applies to you. They're like, yeah, they might be doing it on monkeys, but like you're the monkey. <laughs> you you are the monkey. <laughs> that, that's one of the things I like about. Uh, Adlerian psychology, you know, mm-hmm. foreshadowing some other stuff down the road. Yep. But yeah, it's it's very much applicable to the individual. A lot of, uh, like, a lot of the usual pop psychology that you see are, like, case studies and very bizarre incidents of human right. behavior. But then there's, uh, there's other rich fields of psych- psychology or disciplines within psychology where you can actually learn a lot and implement uh, in your daily life, whether that's, like, your outlook on certain things or, like, just ways to make yourself a better person, I guess. Yeah. I'd, I'd yeah. say, like, my go-to example is something that's not too relevant to people's daily lives. It's, like, the trolley cart problem. You know, like, oh, right. would, you, would you kill one person to save five? Like, how often does something like that happen? Like, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting to talk about. I mean, about, if you're in the just... medical field, yeah. it's uh... Well, I guess. But even, even in cases like that, usually they'll have, like, some kind of strict, rigorous measures in place. And so that that's more like a bit of an organizational level. You, it's yeah. very rarely going to be an individual who has to make like you know a crazy decision like that. And like, right, especially exactly. especially the way it's phrased and the problem itself, which is like very dramatic. You know, like and, in what circumstance would you find yourself at the bridge between two rails, where on one hand you got one guy tied, and on the other one you got like five people tied? Yeah, it's just so. 
so bizarre, you know, it's like kind of artificially constructed just to force you to like into this kind of uncomfortable situation or something. I'm not saying it doesn't have value. It does. Sure. It does. Yeah. But like not quite the kind of value that we draw on for like our daily lives and just getting about and stuff. Whereas like studies like, you know, the marshmallow one, like, oh, if you don't eat this marshmallow right now, you get two in the future. And that seems very relevant, <laughs> almost too relevant. But yeah. Right. So like and there's a lot to draw on from there. Uh-huh. I think we've reached a good point. Last episode. thing I want to talk about. Um, sure, yeah. It's kind of meta, but <laughs> what was it? I was thinking, should we, uh, should we like have a little recorded segment where we can like just ask people to to send in their their questions or topics and stuff or like thoughts? Oh, wait. So, uh, how does this work? Like, we just because we've got our email, right? We got yeah. our email for the podcast. Yes. It'll be. I've I've seen other podcasts do this too, uh, okay. many of which I listen to, and they have like, uh, they have a little segment in the end where, uh, whereby people can like hear it and realize, hey, we can like send in our own thoughts or our own kind of, uh, questions. Like people can even record their own voice if they want, or they can do it in writing. Right. So like we record this once and then play it just briefly at the end of our, every episode or something. Sort of yeah. like an outro, but also like letting people know like, oh, hey, like if you have any suggestions, let us know here. Yeah, I think that'd be a good idea, honestly, because th- that way you also keep your audience engaged in the sense of like if there is something that they want us to talk about. And if it seems like in line enough with our general like field mm-hmm. of thought, then we could definitely go for something that sounds good. Yeah, it opens up some uh, back and forth communication. Yeah, because with things like this, it's very much a one sided thing. Yeah, but if you introduce some kind of uh, communication from the audience side, it makes it a little, it makes the discussion a little richer. Right, and also like sometimes we might dry up a bit in terms of like fresh ideas or stuff to talk about. Right. So it's always nice to like have almost like a a bank to pull from that our audience is feeding us too. Yeah, of yeah, all exactly. Things, you know, like, right. There's a yeah. less of a chance of us getting into like a rut. Yeah. And it's also nice because, like, you get another opinion. Oftentimes, I think, like, me and you can, like, turn... We can, like, enter an echo, an echo chamber where, like, we're both agreeing on the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, sometimes it's good to get, like, a fresh perspective. Yeah. Sounds neat. We'll sure. definitely talk about this more as it goes along. And, like, oh, yeah. feels like our podcast is actually starting to take off. I feel like <laughs> I, just, I just have to mention at this point. Uh, right now, we, like, as I'm speaking right now, we have... This is our third episode in the making that we haven't released yet <laughs> so like yeah we technically have five episodes yeah but you're like you're gonna see like a bunch of these show up at once like by the time you reach this point in episode five you're gonna have realized that but you're gonna be like well why is there like three episodes just popping up after almost, like three months so of a hiatus <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's why we just became super regular after like doing nothing for a long time right but yeah yeah shall we shall we get to uh recording the segment let's uh, do it now and then we can just like sure. edit it in afterwards. Okay. Okay. Wait, so what? But what we're seeing right now isn't part of the podcast or is it? Um everything after this point isn't. Well, up until we say bye. Oh, okay, we didn't say bye. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah, yeah okay. Okay. So do we say <laughs> this is a very awkward outro, but yes, thank you for listening. Bye until next time. Yeah, let's get to the uh recording now. Okay.
Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it or have any thoughts you want to share, shoot us an email at hello.unfocus at gmail.com. Also, if you have any ideas, topics, or questions you'd like us to discuss, feel free to send us a voice message to our email address. We'd love to have your thoughts be the catalyst for future discussions. If you'd rather not have your voice played on our podcast, you can also send us a written email and we'll be happy to take it up on our next episode. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time. Sayonara. Adios.